the top five, a show where we plunk in our quarters and we play until our thumbs are sore again. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Top five arcade games part two, as requested by one of our favorite people over in the Major Spoilers Discord. What's that, you say? A Major Spoilers Discord? Yes, it's totally free for you to join. The The link to our Discord has been in your show notes for, what, three years now? What are you waiting for? Get over there, join in all the fun, partake in all the top five tomfoolery in the top five channel, and uh, enjoy all the other stuff. So this week, top five arcade games part two. The last time we did this, my note show 2016, and it was just a Matthew and Steven show. No Rodrigo, so it will be interesting to uh, get a younger perspective on arcade games in this week's top five, Rodrigo. Yeah. What do do you have for your number five? Uh, My number five is uh, something that I did not expect would ever be in a top five like this, and that's Mario Kart. Oh, Um, yeah. Mario Kart Arcade GP is a, an arcade game that uh, I have found in pretty much the only place around in the United States that still has arcades, and that's bowling alleys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so went to a bowling alley, saw this, like, it's a full thing where you, like, sit down, and it has a, 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 a steering wheel and an accelerator nice. and a little... Yeah, a little button for you to shoot your items. Yeah. Uh, supposedly it has like 90 something items, whereas like most Mario Karts have like 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, definitely the few times that my wife and I played it, uh, we didn't, I mean, we did see some new items, but we didn't realize there were quite that many. Uh, you know, Mario Kart, it, it's it's weird because Nintendo, uh, Nintendo made a hard switch away from arcades, right? When they went to home systems. And now it is very rare to find Nintendo games, Nintendo brand games that go to to the arcade. So Mario Kart is kind of a weird, weird situation. Yeah. Now, was this one one where it was like two side by side? So you and the person next to you can race against each other? Or was this just yeah. like one against the machine? I think I think the one I saw was like four side by side. Wow. Nice. Oh, that's a that's a top five arcade, definitely for sure. Matthew, yeah. what do you have for your number five? My number five is actually a game that I'm not entirely sure when I was playing it. And so it may be one of several different games, but I always thought of it as Star Wars, the video game. Um, I know I played something in the 80s, around the time of The Empire Strikes Back. But this one, I believe that I was actually playing in the 2000s. Now, keep in mind, this is Kansas. So, you know, the 1980s didn't get here until 1992. But the game was a sit-down Star Wars arcade machine. And I think what it was was a representation of an older one. But it had the, uh, the vector art. So you would be flying the ship. You had the little handles in front of you and you had your you know steering back and forth you had to shoot down tie fighters in space and then you would go down to the death star and you had to basically do the tunnel run that luke did except you don't have the force with you and i remember just putting quarter after quarter after quarter in this thing you know at a time when i wasn't young video game playing kid i was probably in my late 20s early 30s at the time and just trying to beat that run. So you get down, you'd have to go through the tanks, and you'd have to go through all of the, well, the 
you know, the cannons on the floor. And then you'd have to fly an obstacle course to get down to the trench and actually shoot and blow up the Death Star. And I can't remember if it was a separate game or not, or if it just continued from the end of Star Wars and your next level was the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, where you're fighting in the uh, the Iceland of Hoth. That may be um, that may be a combo game or an updated game because originally mm-hmm. the original Star Wars was you know just the Death Death Star run and your Tie Fighters, and then in right. Empire Strikes Back, that's when you got into the uh, Planet Hoth battle with the ATATs and all that stuff, or ATATs as yeah. I would call them. But me too. Some people but, you get know, all get all bugged out when you say at 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 dash eight the at dash ats uh regardless it was first of all one of my favorite things ever a sit-down console and it had a yoke to where you grabbed either side kind of like do you remember um yeah like the tanks game road blasters battle zone yeah and you would have you know a trigger on each hand and you could Mm -hmm. actually steer the ship like a car but the fact that it was a sit-down, you know, a seated game meant that I could play it for longer than some of the other ones because, you know, I don't necessarily like to stand up. That's almost like exercise. So I remember this fondly after I moved to Pika in 1998. Uh, the arcade in the mall here actually didn't close until like 2017. And by the end, it was a sad, sad state of affairs. But I really love that Star Wars arcade, the sit-down machine where you could just blow away the little vector things and feel better about yourself, you know? Yeah, uh, Arcade 1-Up has that Star Wars game with the vector graphics and everything, and they even mm-hmm. have a sit-down version of it, and it doesn't come with a cockpit, but it does have, mm-hmm. like, a bench that you sit on, and it still has the uh, the yoke controller yeah. and everything. So um, there's that is out there. I have seen some people build it where it does build the canopy around you, um, mm-hmm. but I think maybe that's going a little bit too far. That, that seems like an awful lot of money to spend. Yeah. It's a couple hundred bucks, uh, is what you'll spend for it. So it's not, it's not like if you were to go out and buy it now where you would be spending eight, nine, $10,000 for the original game, um, or more, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks is, is pretty, pretty tame in comparison. Mm-hmm. My number five, uh, TMNT. This was on my also rants list from the last time we did this game. There's something about being able to play one of the four Ninja Turtles in this game. Um, let's see. There were two different versions of it. The I think it was just the main one with the April O'Neil cabinet art. And then the second one was what? Turtles in Time, I Turtles think was the second time, yeah. Uh, yeah. arcade game. I'm talking about the original uh, first version, uh, it did allow you to have four players at the same time. So very much like gauntlet where you could have four people all doing something different. And of course, depending on which character you play in the teenage mutant Ninja turtle game, you take on their weapons and their kind of their personality. So you can have a sigh or you can have the bow staff or the Ninja stars or, you know, whatever else that is in the game. Uh, but it's really just fun to side scroll through that thing with you and a bunch of friends to spend, you know, bring a roll of quarters, uh, and, uh, you know, spend an hour or so just busting up, uh, all the, the foot clan and I believe, um, what's his name? Squiggly, squiggly brain guy. Kang was also in that game. Krang. If I remember correctly. Krang. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, TMNT, uh, that was a fun game, uh, came out when I was in college. So I remember a bunch of people in our dorm would go into the arcade room and we would play TMNT, um, um, Simpsons, uh, and RoboCop and some other games. Uh, but it's always a lot of fun 
when you can do a bunch of your friends playing the same video game at the same time. So my number five, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the video game. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number four? Uh, my number four. So uh, Mario Kart Arcade GP is a very pretty recent arcade game. But after that, these are going to go way back to the ancient days, uh, mostly primarily the 90s, although some might be a little bit. No, no, I think they're all in the 90s. Um, so uh, my number four is actually the Simpsons video game, mm-hmm. uh, the Simpsons arcade game. Uh, there was something like. You know, as a kid. I didn't I hadn't seen a lot of episodes of The Simpsons and I was it's like but I was at the arcade a lot so I feel like this game kind of warped for me the idea of what The Simpsons was about like I I think when I started watching The Simpsons I was like well there's hardly any fighting here and like who are all those characters that they end up fighting like they fight a lot of like generic guys like generic just Simpsons looking guys. And I'm like, like none of those are actually characters in the show. Um, so, uh, but the the Simpsons, uh, the Simpsons game, which was a beat 'em up, right, a, a four player co op beat 'em up, uh, had probably some of the most satisfying visual and sound effects when you hit someone, mm-hmm. because the Simpsons characters are like round and and like very soft looking. Um, and I don't just mean the family, I mean the, the expanded cast. So anytime you'd hit someone, it would make this like sound. Um, and they would like flash and like kind of jiggle around. Uh, and it's something that you didn't get, right? If you were playing like the old Avengers game, um, you weren't getting those sound effects. You were getting like pows and zaps and stuff. Uh, but The Simpsons had a very weird visual style that got translated in a very weird way onto a type of game that makes no sense for The Simpsons to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why it was good. I think part of that is with the success of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, right? Uh, I believe that one came out before The Simpsons game. And so everyone was trying to capitalize on some kind of four player action. Yeah. And so, so that, that seems I, to have think, spun out from that. Yeah. I think Final Fight was kind of the the instigator of that. And then like, uh, the, there's just a, a long proud line of, of beat em ups, including, you know, your double dragons, mm-hmm. and Teenage Ninja Turtles, uh, the Simpsons. Uh, I've got, I've got, got at least one more beat em up in here. Nice. We can talk about too. Yeah. Cool. Matthew, what do you have for your number four? I actually had to argue about my number four because I had a number of things that I definitely wanted to put on there. But then I started thinking back to the games that I remember the most fondly. And one of them was the dumbest game in the world, literally, because at the time it was my job. And my number four is Paperboy, uh, where you get to deliver newspapers. So you're literally pushing a button to pedal your bike down the street, throwing a newspaper to the house trying not to get, you know, bitten by dogs or attacked by animals or, you know, to trip over something. And it was so dumb, but it was so satisfying because you'd be driving along, you'd be like, you'd get to the end. And if, you know, you weren't eaten by whatever was on the street, they'd be like, yay, you win. And that was really the whole thing. You know, it wasn't something that built on it. It wasn't, oh, they're getting harder and harder and harder. It's just, here's another paper route. 
And I kind of enjoy that. Um, I like the fact that the stakes weren't particularly high unless the paper boy is, you know, allergic to being bitten by a bee. I don't know. But when you're playing the paper boy video game, and I also, this was another one that came in a sit down format. Um, so I remember it fondly for that too, because, you know, bad knee. But when you're playing that original Paperboy game and throwing newspapers, it feels kind of ridiculous. It doesn't feel like, you know, hey, this should be a satisfying game. And yet somehow it was. And then, you know, someone would come out of their driveway and run you down. For some reason, they'd be driving a Jeep. You never understand why. Um, but when you got to the end, you know, when you were hitting and you were getting points for your for your papers and everything was fine, you also realize, hey, now I have to go do my real job and deliver real papers. And it was never as much fun. And I actually got run over more often in real life. Plus, you also got that awesome theme song, right? Paper boy, paper boy, all about that paper boy. <laughs> oh, early. <laughs> yeah, see, Rodrigo gets it. All right. I, I, uh, I get it. I just don't. My number four is one that I remember playing in a pizza establishment had to been in the early, definitely in the early eighties when this game came out because my uncle, we were all sitting around the table eating pizza and my uncle's like, Hey, look, there's some video games over there. Here's some quarters. Why don't you go play that? And so, uh, the one that I was most interested in was centipede because it was not like any of the other, it wasn't space invaders where you could just move back and forth. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, um, you know, any of the shoot 'em up kind of games because it had the roller ball and you'd use that track ball to move this little snake head around the screen and shoot the things as they're coming down, avoiding, you know, the, uh, uh, the spiders and all the other things that were coming at you. It was a really cool, addictive game and still one of my favorite games that I like to play. But today, even in the emulators, unless you have a trackball as part of your emulation system or your main cabinet, uh, it's just not the same experience, but something about centipede blowing up the mushrooms, making the centipede, uh, crack into a bunch of different uh, little parts and knocking it off the screen, avoiding all the other stuff, being able to move up, down, left and right, all the way around. Just a fun game overall. I know it's simple graphics, but man, I enjoyed that game a lot. That's why it's my number four, Centipede. Sometimes the simple graphics are the best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, let us move into our number three. Rodrigo, what do you have for number three? Uh, my number three is... Uh, the X-Men game. Is that the, uh, the so, Children of the Atom? No, not Children of the Atom. Although Children of the Atom is a very good game as well. Um, the one just called X-Men is a beat-em-up. Uh, Children of the Atom, I believe, is a fighting game. It's like yeah, yeah, a one-on-one yeah. -on -one fighting yep. game. Yep, yep. Um, so, uh, as an aside... Uh, Children of the Atom is like a very important moment in in arcade history, and and I can talk more about that later. But before that, I believe there was this game in which you got to play the most popular X Men, Dazzler, Cyclops, and then you know Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine, who actually are popular. <laughs> um, uh, what I probably the most enjoyable thing about this game is that. Uh, the the characters by and large got to use some measure of their powers, but then they had like a special power that they could you could do a number of times, or it had to recharge. I don't remember exactly how it how it was, um, but it was kind of weird. Um, like I remember Colossus would like 
go like and make like a sphere around him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Colossus doesn't do that. Um, Dazzler's made more sense. Storm's made a little bit more sense. A Nightcrawler kind of like zapped around the battlefield. Um, and I'm like, well, that would be a good one for like the Flash to have or, you know, your Quicksilvers or whatever, North Stars. But okay, fine, whatever. Um, it also has, uh, it, it was also voiced. Um, so the blob would come out and be like, hey guys. And then you'd beat him <laughs> up. Nothing moves the blob. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly right. That is exactly what he would say. I always thought that the Colossus thing was him armoring up. Yeah, I mean, it's like obviously. So, so this is an adaptation, right? Right. Um, it's like you have the X-Men who work a certain way. The X-Men have no timers or cooldowns on their powers. They can shoot lasers and scratch you up with claws and shoot lightning at you all day long. But in a beat-em-up game, you need to have some sort of like economy, right? Of like powering up or using something that's one one time use only. Um, and it's like, well, Colossus doesn't really have anything like that. So they gave him like this ability, I guess, to like extend his armor out and and hit people with it. It's like, you know, it's fine. Very so nice. Just had him like pick up a truck and throw it at someone. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Like they did with the Hulk video game a few years later, you could actually like weaponize the stuff around you. Yeah. Matthew, what do you have for your number three? Uh, it was actually almost X-Men, but then I said to myself, no, I didn't love X-Men the way I loved another game. And this game is a weird one for me because generally speaking, when it comes to video games, I'm like a weird robots and explosions kind of guy. But uh, my number three, wait, this is number three, right? Yeah, this is number three. Yes. My number three, 1943, The Battle of Midway is actually sort of historical in that you are literally flying through territory in uh, P-38 Lightning, which, by the way, that's the cool plane with the two tails. I used to be kind of a plane nerd, so I love the fact that it was that particular plane. And you were fighting your way through aerial assaults to reach the battleship Yamato. And then you were going to sink the battleship Yamato. And then, you know, to win the game, you'd have to fight your way through. And a lot of the, you know, the flying type games, your time pilots or your, you know, things of this nature where you'd get weapon upgrades or armor upgrades as you fly along, have the same sort of uh, setup. But this one felt like it was a little bit more kind of sort of realistic. And, you know, even though the actual Battle of Midway happened in 1942, I didn't know that until years later, 1943, the Battle of Midway allowed you to actually do some really cool stuff. You could do, like, barrel rolls and flip out of the way, and then, of course, you could upgrade your weapons. And when you get to a certain point in the game, you're just like, yes, I am saving the world for humanity or something. And it was kind of like being a boomer for a minute, and then I sort of moved on. But if you've ever played the game, it's really beautiful. It's even beautiful now, and it's like a 40-year-old game. All of the backgrounds are these you know, really, really detailed sprites, and you're flying through clouds and across the ocean. And I really enjoyed it. There actually, a few years ago, when we had to use a laundromat, they had a copy of it, um, standing, like a standing arcade version of it, that uh, the widget and I could go play, and we would blow stuff up with that. And I remember just how much I loved that particular game. Cool. 
All right. Uh, my number three, I do not like uh, Galaxian. Never was a fan of Galaxian. I thought everything was a little bit too chunky. Uh, I didn't like uh, just the gameplay of it. But in 1981, when Galaga came out, the sequel to Galaxian, I was all over that. Uh, you know, the little flying uh, insects, the bees, the hornets, the butterflies, whatever that they are swooping in from the side, the little scorpions coming at you. And if you position your ship just right, you can knock them all out, get some bonus points. And then if you played the game just right, one of the, uh, the creatures would come down and tractor beam up your spaceship. And if you were not on your last life, you could then using some clever, uh, shooting, you could blow up that, uh, that creature and get your ship back. And then you would have two ships to shoot at these things at the same time. And that's when the game became a whole heck of a lot more fun. Uh, still a fun game today. I I've got many a main cabinet sitting here at the major spoilers HQ. And this is one that I will routinely just say, Hey, you know what? Let's sit down and let's play some Galaga. It is a fun arcade game. And that is why it is at my number Three. All right. I think we are ready to hit uh, our number twos. So, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? Uh, my number two is a game that, as a kid, um, when I would go to the arcade and see it, I was like, whoa, like, look at these graphics. It's so amazing. And Part of the reason why I thought it was amazing is because it was really fast, right? There's kind of this thing where, like, um, you know, back in the 90s when I was a kid, uh, games usually weren't fast. Or if they were fast, they were simple. Um, so, you know, you could get into something where, like, you were playing Space Invaders and they were going really fast, but the Space Invaders are really small and they only mm -hmm. have two animations or whatever. Space Harrier. Um, a game that was also kind of a sit-down game, and you played, like, a blonde guy who was, like, flying around, I think carrying a combination rocket and laser uh, and just oh, kind of, nice. like, hanging on to it for dear life. Yeah. Um, was, like, I would always walk by that game and be like, whoa, I want to play that game. But I never did because it was four tokens. Yeah. Uh, whereas there were, like, games that were just one, right? So I was like, well, my parents have given me, you know, a, a very modest allowance to spend at the arcade. I could blow it all playing Space Harrier or I could play all the other games on this list, right, uh, for for the same price. So um, I think I did sit down to play it a couple of times, but uh, it was always kind of this thing that I wanted to play, but just like straight up couldn't afford to. Yeah, no, I understand that. It was the same way when uh, Mortal Kombat came out. You know, it was a dollar to play mm -hmm. instead of a quarter. Uh, some of those were were very expensive. So I can understand not getting a lot of gameplay. Uh, even uh, Dragon's Lair was, I think, 50 cents a play, something like that when it first yeah, came out. Yeah, 50 cents on that one. Yeah, so it was, uh, I can understand wanting to play your favorite games and then they just be too far out of reach. And then you want to sit down and play them today and you're like, oh man, this game's a lot lamer than I remember. So, Well, sure. And, I'm not saying that's the way it is with uh, with your game, but uh, I've I've run into some that I fondly remember uh, wanting to play and then sitting down and going, oh, no, this game was no fun at all. Money saved. Anyway, let's uh, find out what Matthew's number two is. 
It's funny you mentioned Mortal Kombat because you and I went to college at the beginning of the American fighter, fighter, punchy, punchy craze. And I remember there being not just a Mortal Kombat, but also a Street Fighter 2, I think, at the Student Union. Uh, but they actually replaced it relatively soon and you know relatively soon probably means within the first five years but they ended up replacing it with mortal kombat 2 which is my number two for three important reasons one uh i felt like this the character building you know the little bits of universal uh world building that we got were utterly fascinating i was a, a raiden main so i would always try and play raiden and people were like raiden sucks We'll block you with our superpowers. I'm like, so I'm playing Raiden. Um, but it had better graphics than Street Fighter, you know, for the time, where they had actually filmed real people for the characters. So the little sprites that you have were based on real actors doing real kicks and punches and kick punches. And you would get to a certain point in the game where you're just like kicking and flying and kicking all around. You're like, this is great. This is awesome. Now, the second reason it's good is that it had 12 playable characters as opposed to the eight of uh, whichever Mortal Kombat we were playing. And third and most importantly, uh, Raiden in the first game was just wearing a white onesie. In this game, he got an apron that made it look like he was working the checkout counter at Dylan's. And so I really appreciated, you know, Raiden having that second job to try and keep the family afloat while he went out and fought his way across uh, the outworld. But Mortal Kombat 2 was kind of the apex of my Mortal Kombat fandom. I liked one, loved two, could deal with three. And by the time we get to like Mortal Kombat 9, 10, and 11, I'm just like, why do we have to know about the father of the cousin of the person that we used to know? And when this latest one came out and they're like, it's Johnny Cage's daughter, part of me went, oh, that sounds cool. And then I'm like, wait a minute. It could actually be Johnny Cage's daughter because that original game was 25 years ago. And then I just, mm -hmm. you know, melted away into dust. So, but Mortal Kombat 2 was kind of a paradigm shift for me and also for, you know, the video games of the era in terms of graphics. So I love that one. Yeah. A lot of controversy surrounding the Mortal Kombat stuff. I remember, uh, I remember mm -hmm. when uh, Mortal Kombat came out on, you know, the home entertainment systems. I had a Sega. Uh, mm -hmm. You could not, you know, you couldn't rent those because they were just, uh, booked so far in advance. Everybody wanted to play it, and the rental stores right. wouldn't keep enough. And Gore was standing on the blockbuster. <laughs> yes. You can't, you can't have this. See, and two was the one that introduced not just the friendships, where you could instead of killing but somebody by ripping their heads off, you could give them flowers, or a birthday party, or dance with them. It introduced the babality, which is a stupid thing, where you can turn your opponent into a little crying baby, and then you just laugh that you've beaten them and turned them into a baby. But again, you haven't killed them or ripped them to shreds, which is, you know, kind of nice. Yeah. All yeah. right. My number two is not um, is not necessarily uh, uh, something where you're going to kill people, although you can be killed. And, and depending on how you do things uh, improperly, you can accidentally kill yourself. Uh, but one of the things that is cool about this game is, number one, uh, it could either be a sit down or a stand up. All the ones that I played were always stand up. Uh, it has a gas pedal so that you could make yourself go vroom, vroom. Uh, it has a shifter so that you can shift gears. It also had a steering wheel so you could steer. And most importantly, it had a radio station where you could change the, the dial 
and listened to different music as you raced across this. It wasn't really a linear course because there were different um, um, turnoffs and things that you could take. But OutRun was a fantastic game that I loved playing. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't remember if it was in the original OutRun or if it was in one of the sequels or something. But when you wrecked, the steering wheel would shake all over the place. Or if you got into the sand, it would be harder to control and you would get a little juddering effect uh, to go with it. But, man, I really enjoyed OutRun. It was just a, a, a nothing game that your only goal was to get to the next checkpoint before time ran out and also to complete the race if you could complete the race in time. That's all there was to it. All the other players, I mean, that you, you were talking about Mario Kart earlier, Rodrigo. I mean, this is kind of that precursor to, to Mario Kart. Uh, it's just fun racing against you and the timer and your skills. And I enjoyed the heck out of OutRun. So that's why it is my number two. We are now at the uh, top of the list. We are going into our number ones. But before we get to our number ones, uh, dear listeners, we could use your help. If you enjoy this show or any of the shows that we do in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, I'm going to ask that if you are not already a patron and if you can afford it, uh, something as little as five bucks a month, point your browser to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Um, when you go over there and you make a small monthly contribution, or you could pay for a full year if you want, uh, $5, I think is the best, um, best bang for your buck, uh, so to speak. Uh, but when you, when you sign up, you are not only getting access to a bunch of other content over on our Patreon page, you're keeping shows like top five alive and, uh, not like Johnny five, but you're keeping top five alive. Uh, so that we can continue the show for years to come. And all the money that you put into uh, the Patreon, the Major Spoilers Patreon at patreon.com slash major spoilers, that goes right back into Major Spoilers. It's not being siphoned off to pay for NFTs. It's not out there. So, uh, you know, going into somebody's pocket so we can just play uh, video games all day. It is literally going back into the growth of this company and allowing us to create more entertainment for you. So take a moment, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, please consider, if you can, giving in this year. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number one top five arcade game part two? Well, for you, part one. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about uh, X-Men Children of the Atom, which was Capcom getting the rights to the X-Men um, and making a fighting game out of it. And thus, uh, Children of the Atom begat X-Men versus Street Fighter, which then begat Marvel versus Capcom, uh, which is, a lot of people see as like the ultimate fighting game series. Um, my number one is actually Marvel versus Capcom 2, uh, colon, New Age of Heroes, although I don't think it necessarily had that subtitle in all its iterations. Um, it is a game that had actually introduced a lot of things that are more, much more common now. Like, um, uh, well, the Marvel vs. Capcom series introduced like swapping people in and out. Basically, you would pick multiple characters and swap them. Uh, like at, during the fight, you could actually take one character out and bring another character in. Um, I believe this one started out. Uh, this, this one created the assists where you would just have a character come in, do a move, and then jump back out instead of swapping. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, games that had six characters. We talk about games that had 
12 characters, Marvel versus Capcom 2 had 30 something characters, 32 characters, I think. Wow. Um, oh, no. Uh, no, uh, sorry. It's uh, like 50, 50 something characters. Here's, here's, here's all the characters. Here's the Capcom side. Akuma, Amingo, Anakaris, BB Hood, Cami, Captain Commando, Charlie, aka Nash, Chun Li, Dan, Dalsim, Felicia, Guile, Hayato Kanzaki, Jill Valentine, Jin Saotome, Ken Masters, M. Bison, Mega Man, Morrigan, Roll, yeah, Roll, uh, Ruby Hart, Ryu, Sakura, Surfbot, Sonson, Strided Hero, uh, Tronbone, and Zangief. And here's the Marvel side. Blackheart, Cable, Captain America, Colossus, Cyclops, Doctor Doom, Gambit, Hulk, Iceman, Iron Man, Juggernaut, Magneto, Marrow, yes, Marrow, Omega Red, Psylocke, Rogue, Sabretooth, Sentinel, like a Sentinel, Shumagorath, Silver Samurai, Spider-Man, Spiral, Storm, Thanos, Venom, War Machine, Wolverine, and another Wolverine. Because you got to have two Wolverines. Because you got to have two Wolverines. That's how many characters were in this game. It was nuts. It was like, I, 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 I think I can see what like young little babies who are into superhero comics maybe experienced uh, with the MCU, sort of bring seeing these characters be brought to life. Like for me, that was Marvel versus Capcom too, right? It's like the first time that you could actually see an animated fight between. Spider-Man and Sabretooth, uh, and perhaps more importantly, between Mega Man and Venom, right? Um, or you could have Mega Man and Venom team up. What the heck, man? This is just, it's, it's wackadoo. This is, like, this game blew me away. I <laughs> spent a lot of quarters on it. Um, and it was, unfortunately, kind of hard to find at times. Um, we moved around, you know, every few years uh, when I was a kid, and so it was tough to find a video rental place or a or an actual arcade or a um, bowling alley or something that had Marvel vs. Capcom 2 so I could keep playing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I remember I picked up uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite just kind of because I was like, hey, I like fighting games. So I'm going to get back into fighting games. And it was kind of disappointing. And that the reason why that game is disappointing is like its own entire thing. But uh, yeah, it's hard to like to this day. I think Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is possibly the ve the best version of this game. Mm -hmm. Arguably 3 is also very good. But uh, for me, it's got to be Marvel vs. Capcom 2. I remember that game solely from explaining to people playing it who characters like Shumagorath were. Yeah. Because they'd be like, we don't know who, this guy's awesome, but what it, what's his thing? And I'd be like, well, now that you've asked, I can tell you. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, that, uh, you, you, you'd end up playing a, a lot of like Ryu Wolverine team ups. Mm -hmm. no. You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go old school. I'm going to go Blackheart, Captain Commando. And then you guys get my <laughs> You know? Iron Man War there. Machine was always Iron Man, fun. Yeah. Iron Man War Machine was good. I, honestly, my go-to actually was Mega Man Venom. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Yeah. 
Very cool. Matthew, what do you have for your number one? My number one is a game that I remember fondly, and I actually had to go look this up. Um, the game is an adaptation of a movie. Now, the movie came out, I think, in 1980 or 81, but the arcade game for Tron came out in 1982. Now, I had not at that point seen Tron. Um, and honestly, I don't think I've seen Tron more than five times in my life since in the, you know, the 40 years, but the Tron arcade game was just a masterpiece. It's an amazing game. You actually have, uh, first of all, it had an atypical controller. It was this big kind of joystick controller with multiple ways to fire. It had a trigger and you also had another control where you would like, uh, twist back and forth. So it wasn't just, you know push a button, push a button, push a button, dodge. And then there were four levels. You would play a level where you were playing uh, whatever the, the glow-in-the-dark Frisbee thing is. And then, of course, you had to uh, sneak your way into the master control program without getting hit by the power shields. And then, of course, you had the tank mode, but you had the best, the most perfect, the most wonderful video game experience of my life, light cycles where you're trying to, you're driving along with a light cycle and building a wall behind you, and you're trying to trap your friend mm -hmm. into hitting your wall and exploding. And uh, I had a friend who did what he called the P maneuver, where he would run up, spell out a letter P, and he would, like, catch you in it. So as if you knew you were playing against Brian, first thing you would do is, as he went north, you'd go east. And you'd go as far as you could, and he'd be trying to swoop around to get you, and you'd be trying to swoop under. And about you know, three times out of a hundred, maybe 200, you could get him <laughs> with that <laughs> trick. But I remember it was at our local pizza hut, which was the only sit down restaurant in town. Uh, at the time, I come from a very small, small town. So you could go to the pizza hut, you know, on family night, we would have the pizza and then you could play the light cycles. And then of course the other games too, blah, 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 blah. But this is another one where they had, you know, it's 1982 relatively limited, um, graphics, but they were so cool. And the graphics were really, really creative. And I know now that, you know, they're basing it on the graphics that people spent 20 years trying to make on Tron and that they still had to fake some of when they made the movie. But I remember Tron so fondly. I almost, and you know, I'm not like Steven. I don't think, you know, I want this video game in my house. I almost bought a Tron cabinet when I was in college. Would have been the biggest mistake of my life. Well, second biggest mistake of my life. But even so, I, I, I wonder, had my life been different? Had I bought that Tron game, would I now be president of the United States of America? No, no, you wouldn't have. Uh, you, you would have been you would have been sucked into it and then your <sighs> your dad was in it and yeah I, friend, and friend I, and of then the... I fell asleep. I actually never finished watching Tron. <laughs> I think Olivia, Olivia, uh, oh, Olivia Wilde Blunt was in, in it. No, Olivia, Olivia Wilde. Wilde. Yep, right. Yep. Olivia de Havilland was in it. Uh, in a, friend, in a friend, friend of the show, uh, uh, Brian Ibbett, Ibbett, Coverville. He's got an original Tron cabinet in his in his office. I, and it, I everything knew I works liked that guy. And uh, he enjoys that quite a bit. So, yeah. It's a good game. It's a good game. Yep. Uh, last time we did this, Pac-Man landed at my number two and Pac-Man's a fine game. Uh, I think it's, it's fun enough. I, it's got little cut scenes and all that stuff, but the superior Pac-Man of course is the Ms. Pac-Man. And that is my number one. Uh, even as recently, well, I mean, like I said, I've got it here in the home so I can play it whenever I want, 
But um, even as recently as maybe 10 years ago, I go to a laundromat to have to do laundry if the washing machine was broken. And there's a Miss Pac-Man machine just sitting there. And it's like, well, there's quarters for the washing machine and there's quarters for Miss Pac-Man. I uh, usually don't get past level five. Sometimes I can get into level six. Uh, but it is a game that I can just sit there and play again and again and again and again and try to figure out patterns. I know that there's patterns out there that exist that if you follow it, you'll win every time. But, uh, you know, I like just gobbling up the little dots and then gobbling up the, uh, uh, up the ghosts and it's a, it's a lot of fun. And I probably today it is not the number one selling arcade machine, but at one point it was the, uh, highest selling arcade machine in history. And even if you can find an original cabinet in good condition today, they still run several thousands of dollars for the original Ms. Pac-Man. Pac-Man itself, Puck-Man, uh, does not get nearly as much as Ms. Pac-Man, but Ms. Pac-Man is definitely my number one. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, our top five arcade games part two. We hope you enjoyed that list. If you would, head over to our Discord server. Uh, you can find a link in the show notes. And then go into our Top 5 channel, hang out with all the other cool kids that are over there, and share your Top 5 list there. I'm sure people are already doing that as they uh, as this show started. And everybody else will comment on everyone else's list, and everyone else will read everybody's list. Why? Because everyone loves a list, and we will talk with you again very soon. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.